Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. So glad to have you with us all today for our Congregation of Prayer for this September 22nd, Tuesday, 2020. Good to see you in the chat there. See uh, my mom, Dawn, Michael, Tim, Eileen, Rachel, and Ruth. Good to have you check in so I know who's listening. All right. And uh, for our catechesis today, we're actually going to move from on from the book of Leviticus into the book of Numbers. Book of Numbers. All right. A little bit shorter than yesterday. <laughs> Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right. Excuse me one second. Let's say our memory verse uh, for this week together. Love does no harm to the neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Romans 13, verse 10. All right. Now our psalm for this week, Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust, and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday, when it is past. Or as a watch in the night, you sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, and in the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy, or even by reason of strength eighty. Yet their span is but toil and trouble, they are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger, and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants, and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, our first reading today is from the book of Hebrews, continuation there, chapter 9. 
Then, indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and the earthly sanctuary. For a tabernacle was prepared, the first part, in which was the lampstand, the table, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary, and behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid with all sides with gold, in which were the golden pot that held the manna, Aaron's rod rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. And above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot, cannot now speak in detail. Now, when these things had been thus prepared, the priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services. But into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way in the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was standing. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience, concerned only with foods and drinks, various washings and fleshy ordinances imposed until the time of Reformation. There ends the reading. Well, it ties in quite well uh, with what we were studying in Leviticus uh, just yesterday, right? Yeah. Um, Also, I think it's worth noting that, um, oh yeah, Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement, uh, is still celebrated by by Jews. Um, I I don't know exactly how they celebrate it, um, given the the lack of a temple and the lack of sacrifices, uh, but maybe as a day of remembrance, I suppose. Uh, And it actually is coming up. It'd be uh, this coming Monday, I believe. Yeah. All right. So Yom Kippur. Our reading for catechesis today is some selections from chapter 1 of Numbers, regards to the census. Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tabernacle of meeting on the first day of the second month, in the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Take a census of all the congregation of the children of Israel, by their families, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of names, every male individually from twenty years old and above, all who are able to go to war in Israel. You and Aaron shall number them by their armies. And with you there shall be a man from every tribe, each one the head of his father's house. Then Moses and Aaron took these men, who had been mentioned by name, and they assembled all the congregation together on the first day of the second month, and they recited their ancestry by families, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of names, from twenty years old and above, each one individually, as the Lord commanded Moses. So he numbered them in the wilderness of Sinai. So all who were numbered of the children of Israel, by their fathers' houses, from twenty years old and above, all who were able to go to war in Israel, all who were numbered, were six hundred and three thousand five hundred and fifty. But the Levites were not numbered among them by their father's tribe, for the Lord had spoken to Moses, saying, Only the tribe of Levi you shall not number, nor take a census of them 
among the children of Israel. But you shall appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony, over all its furnishings, and over all the things that belong to it. They shall carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings. They shall attend to it and camp around the tabernacle. And when the tabernacle is to go forward, the Levites shall take it down. And when the tabernacle is to be set up, the Levites shall set it up. The outsider who comes near shall be put to death. The children of Israel shall pitch their tents, everyone by his own camp, everyone by his own standard according to their armies. But the Levites shall camp around the tabernacle of the testimony, that there may be no wrath on the congregation of the children of Israel. And the Levites shall keep charge of the tabernacle of testimony. Thus the children of Israel did, according to all that the Lord commanded Moses, so they did. Yep, there ends the reading. All right, good. We can get it all on one page, I believe. Yeah, it looks like it. All right, so some questions for catechesis here. Uh, the first, what is a census? <laughs> I don't know that we have any uh, children in the audience here, but uh, if we do, maybe that would be helpful for them. Yeah, a census is simply uh, a counting of the people. All right. Uh, and when was this census to be taken, according to the text there? Yeah, on the first day of the second month of the second year. Right. Um, now, who was to be numbered? Yeah, all the males, 20 years old and above, that were able uh, to serve in the army. So it's uh, really a, a draft then, I suppose, is what we'd say, right? Yeah, it's that kind of census. Um, but why only males numbered? This is not some kind of uh, chauvinistic thing. Why only males? Yeah, this was because the promise was ma made of the male offspring, the male seed, right? Back in Genesis. Why were they counted according to families? What do you think about that? Yeah, to show God's faithfulness uh, to the promise to Abraham that by him many nations would be numbered, right? Um, now, interestingly, which tribe was not counted? The tribe of Levi, because the Levites were to do what? Yeah, be in charge of the tabernacle of the testimony and all its furnishings, right? Um, so they weren't to go out to war, but they were. Um, to serve in the temple, or excuse me, the tabernacle here. Uh, what happened to those other than the Levites who got near the tabernacle? Just like we heard in Leviticus, uh, they would die, right? They'd be put to death. So where were the Levites to camp? Around the tabernacle. Why? Again, what does it say? So that the wrath of God would not fall upon the Israelites. Um, again, let's talk about this numbering a little bit. Um, why or what is the promise that is attached or behind all this numbering? This is different than, of course, um, David's unlawful census, which will come later. Oh, by the way, um, this is Numbers chapter 1 is the census, so 
Now you know where the book gets its name, right? <laughs> the book of numbers, okay. But what's behind all this numbering? Again, I mentioned the promise to Abraham, so that's worth repeating. Uh, that's Genesis chapter 12, by the way. It goes like this. The Lord had said to Abraham, or Abram, excuse me, get out from your own country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. All right, now the promise gets repeated again later in Genesis 15, if you remember, uh, when we studied that last year. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your uh, exceedingly great reward. Right? But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? See, he holds God to his promise. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is to be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Here it goes again. Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Of course, that gets uh, quoted later um, by St. Paul in Romans 4, Galatians 3. Um, St. James quotes it in James 2. Um, this idea of uh, being accounted as righteous comes up in the psalmist in Psalm 32, Psalm 106. All right, but that's a very famous passage. But again, the Lord repeats that promise to him. And again, in Exodus um, chapter 1, now, these are the names of the children of Israel who came from Egypt. Each man and his household came with Jacob. Right? Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. All those who were descendants of Jacob were 70 persons, for Joseph uh, was in Egypt already. And Joseph died, and all his brothers, and all the generations. But the children of Israel were fruitful, and increased abundantly, multiplied, and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. All right. So, again, there's God keeping his promise. God had promised to multiply them and to bring forth a Savior. So, meditation on the text. God did not have Israel count her numbers again to gain confidence in her own strength, for he was always the key to every Israelite victory. Instead, the counting allowed Israel to reflect on the faithfulness of God to his servant Abram then later Abraham. Through hardship and adversity, God had increased the numbers of Israel and made her a strong nation. Likewise, he would be faithful and send the son through whom all the nations of the earth would be blessed. The Levites stood apart from Israel as a sign of that promise. They pointed to the one who would come and dwell in the flesh as our tabernacle of meeting, where we may be drawn near to God. The church is also the center of all her attention on God's faithfulness to his word by sending Christ as our priest and sacrifice. We are never to be measured by our numbers, but by the teaching of the pure word of God and the administration of the holy sacraments according to his word. All right. Yes, thanks, Michael. Um, from my friend and colleague, Chad Bird, 
also um, author and works for, um, oh no, it's not Chad Bad. I thought it was Chad Bird. Oh, look at that, Yom Kippur in brief. So let's see, what does it say here? Um, Chad Bird actually wrote an article on this too. That's why I was confused. Uh, so there's eating and drinking, there's weathering, wearing of leather shoes, applying of lotions and creams, washing or bathing. Oh, these are the things you're not allowed to do. Uh, engaging in conjugal relations, it's a special Sabbath of a sort. Uh, there's prayer services, one, two, three, four, five of those. And there's all sorts of things to do before Yom Kippur. And then what to do after Yom Kippur. All right. Right, very good. And I can't mute that, so I don't know. All right. Uh, let's confess the seventh commandment. Say it with me. You shall not steal. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not take our neighbor's money or possessions or get them in any dishonest way, but help him to improve and protect his possessions and income. Eighth commandment. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbor, betray him, slander him, or hurt his reputation, but defend him, speak well of him, and explain everything in the kindest way. A note uh, before we pray. Uh, I just noted this with the children the other day, and I, I thought it would be worth repeating for you. Um, you know how each uh, explanation of each commandment begins, we should fear and love God, with the exception of the first commandment, which is fear, love, and trust in God. So fear um, God, right? not do anything against God's commandment. Love God, and how is love of God shown? By love for neighbor, right? The greatest commandment. So note how each explanation is broken down. The first half um, has to do with the fear of God, and then the second half has to do with the love of God, that is love for neighbor. So, um, for example, that we don't tell lies about our neighbor, betray him, slander him, or hurt his reputation, because that would bring about God's wrath, right, and anger. So we should fear God, but defend him, speak well of him, and explain everything in the kindest way. So there's um, the love of God uh, fulfilling the command. All right, let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, in the seventh commandment, you teach us that all of our possessions and income are gifts of your love. You have given us our daily work and earthly resources that we might serve our neighbor in need. For Jesus' sake, forgive us our sins of selfishness and greed, of being stingy and making our God out of our money and possessions, of cheating others to get what we don't deserve, of being lazy in our daily tasks, and of working only for the benefit of ourselves. We thank you for the privilege of being able to share your love and care for others through the daily work and temporal gifts that you have given us. Grant us your grace and compassion in Jesus that we might be faithful stewards of these gifts, using them according to your will to help our neighbors in need. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We pray. Most merciful God and Father, in the Eighth Commandment, you teach us that a person's good name and reputation are gifts of your grace and that you desire them to be defended and protected by what we say. For Jesus' sake, forgive us for every form of lying, gossip, and slander which hurts our neighbor in the eyes of others. Forgive us for all the ways in which we pass judgment against our neighbor when we have not been given the authority to do so. Forgive us for failing to defend our neighbor when his good name and reputation are being attacked by others. By your words of grace and mercy to us in Jesus, 
teach us to tell the truth in love, and strengthen us to cover our neighbor's sins with words of forgiveness and compassion. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We pray. For deliverance against temptation and evil, for the addicted and despairing, for the tortured and oppressed, and for those struggling with sin, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray for all our first responders, doctors, nurses, and all those who work in nursing homes and hospitals. We pray for an end to all fear, anxious thoughts, and constant worry, trusting that God will provide all that is needed in every circumstance. We pray for deliverance from pestilence, sedition, and rebellion. We pray for our military and law enforcement personnel. On this September 22nd, we pray in Thanksgiving for a wedding anniversary for Jed and Rebecca, for healing for Carol. We ask the Lord grant his healing touch according to his mercy for Marcella, Jan, Ron, Marlene, Brad, Janet, Timothy, and Pastor Lindau, Sandy, Linda, Joan, Ken, Aaron, Roger, Steve, and Jean. We pray for those grieving, especially my family, for those who are isolated at home, especially those um, who have asked to be recognized, Bev and David, Willis and Janice, and Mickey. Pray for all the mission and mercy work of our church, especially this month for the Orphan Grain Train and for the Federowitz family. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray the collect for this, for this week. O Lord, we implore you, let your continual pity cleanse and defend your church. And because she cannot continue in safety without your aid, preserve her evermore by your help and goodness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. All right, today is actually a commemoration as well. Let me just get to it here. It is the commemoration of Jonah. A singular prophet among the many of God's uh, people in the Old Testament, Jonah is the son of uh, Amittai and was born about an hour's walk from the town of Nazareth. The focus of his prophetic ministry was to the call to preach to Nineveh, the capital of pagan Assyria. His reluctance to respond and God's insistence that his call be heeded is the story of the book that bears Jonah's name. Although the swallowing and disgorging of Jonah by the great fish is most remembered, the most remembered detail in his life, it is addressed in only three verses of the book. Jonah 1, verse 17, 2, verse 1, and 2, verse 10. Throughout the book, the most important theme is how God deals compassionately with sinners. Jonah's three-day sojourn in the belly of the fish is mentioned by Jesus as a sign of his own death, burial, and resurrection, Matthew 12. We pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, through the prophet Jonah, you continued the prophetic pattern of teaching your people the true faith and demonstrating through miracles your presence in creation to heal it of its brokenness. Grant that your church may see in your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, the final end times prophet, whose teaching and miracles continue in your church through the healing medicine of the gospel and the sacraments. 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Pray the Collect, or excuse me, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. We sing our hymn for this week, Abide, O Dearest Jesus.
So glad to have you with us all here today for our Congregation of Prayer on this September 22nd, 2020. Ah, oh, blue skies. And we've got the sun out now. There was a little rain this morning. Oh, be a delightful day, God willing. So, uh, Lord be with you all and keep you safe uh, and secure by his word. We'll see you again tomorrow morning, Wednesday, for Congregation of Prayer. And again, make plans if you're able, Wednesday evening, 7.30 p.m. for our uh, weekly devotion. We're in the book of Hebrews. We're going to jump into chapter one. So uh, read chapter one in preparation if you're able. Lord be with you all. We'll see you again tomorrow.